0: Glad to be here with you guys tonight, and we are talking about exactly what that video um, show. We're talking about Emmanuel, a name that is given to our Savior. And uh, but before we jump into that, can you, do you guys know that there's 17 days left till Christmas? Like, right? <laughs> Thank you. That's like, are you ready for this? Because I feel like I'm not. Like, I'm not done shopping. I like nobody will people might not get presents, and you know, like, it's okay, uh, but I wish you could just kind of push back the calendar sometimes, you know, I look at it, and I'm like, oh, I'm not ready, like, if we just push back, like, two weeks, look will be good, but it doesn't work like that, right, but people normally love this time of year. People get excited about it, and people look forward to this um, all year. In fact, Pastor Kat talked about this on Sunday, right? And people love the lights, and the food, and the parties, right? And they love the the decorations. I mean, I do have to admit that my house has been decorated since November first. Don't kill me,
1: <laughs> but it
0: it has been. And it honestly, if you come over, it looks like that you know that red and black. Um, buffalo plaid. Looks like it exploded in my house. Uh, (laughs) I even bought the matching wrapping paper this year, guys. I don't normally do that, but I just, like, I was super stoked about it, right? And and people love that. People love the weather, right? Sweater weather, that's, like, everywhere. And um, maybe not the rain, but we live in Hilo. And it also wouldn't be winter in Hawaii without rain, right? (laughs) They just kind of go together. And people look forward to this all the time. In fact, I was on Oahu the last few weeks, and my sister and I, for three nights in a row, drove around looking for Christmas lights. And we were disappointed everywhere we went because there weren't any. And the article we found was like totally lied to us and sent us to all these places and they didn't have it. They didn't have any Christmas lights. And so, but it's just this idea that people love this season and they love this time of year and they look forward to it. On the flip side of that, This time of year can be one of the hardest times for people. It can be. It can be one of the hardest seasons for people. Maybe money is extra tight. And so Christmas is a huge reminder of what you don't have. Maybe your loved one is overseas serving in the military and they don't get to come home for the holidays. maybe family gatherings are going to look different because of COVID. Or maybe even recently, you've lost someone that you love this year. And so the holidays hit real hard, and they hit different. And while TV and social media and movies and retail stores are like, you know, they're just playing it out, this is joyful, and there's love and laughter and everything, The reality is, is that for some people, this season is tough. This season is not that. It's a reminder of the loss we've experienced. As I was asking the Lord what I was going to talk about, um, I just got this sense that this is a hard time. This is a hard season. And so we're going to talk about that Tonight. Honestly, for me, I'm kind of in the in-between. Like I told you, my house has been decorated since November, right? And I love it. I love turning on my Christmas lights every night. Also, there's a statistic that Christmas lights make people happier. So just in case you wanted to know, um, you're welcome. So <laughs> turn yours on. Uh, but, um, but like I said, I'm kind of in the in-between. So for the last two and a half weeks, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on Sunday when I spoke, but I've been on Oahu with my grandma. My grandma is 94, and she um, is one of the most stubborn Asian ladies you will ever meet in your life. And she's completely independent. She lives on her own, okay? She lives on her own. She does everything around her house. while well, she tries to, right? But she won't let anyone live with her and she won't go to live with anybody else, like in our family, like we've tried for years, and she won't, she just won't do it. She doesn't wanna go into a care home, she doesn't, you know, any, I'm like, Grandma, but you would like have friends in there and play bingo and like do all these things, you know? And she's like, nope, she's like not about it, right? And I'm like, okay, whatever. And there's nothing, like health-wise, there's nothing wrong with her, like she is healthy. But in the last six months, I've seen a decline in her health. And we've, we've seen her fall, like three times. And by God's grace, she hasn't broken anything. You know, I keep trying to get her to like, let me put in like security cameras, you know, so I can see and I can make sure she's okay. But she won't, she refuses, right? And so we've been, we went to go see her because this last time she fell, it's actually been the worst. This last time she fell, she just wasn't herself. Like I said, she didn't break anything, but she didn't really want to eat, and she was real tired all the time. And so we made a trip out there, and we we went to spend some time with her. And the first day we got there, I looked at her, and my grandma's always been like this petite little Japanese lady, which I wish I inherited, but I didn't. And um, But she, like, that's always been her, right? And so, she, like, she's always skinny, and I always tell her, like, Grandma, just, I'll, like, cut half of my body, and you can have it. And then we're, like, even, you know? We're good. And she looked even thinner than the last time I saw her. She told my dad she weighed 66 pounds. That's, like, my left leg, right? <laughs> like, she she's tiny, and she's so frail, you know? And And I looked at her, and, And it was, like, gut-wrenching to see her like that. We were only there for a few hours, and even in that time, like, she barely ate anything. She had to go lie down because she was so tired. And we left, and I told my husband, like, I don't know what we're going to come back to tomorrow. I don't know if she's going to be alive. Don't want to be the first one to walk through that door because I don't know what I'm going to find. And so we stayed and we went over every day, hung out with her, took her food. I don't care what she eats, right? You're 94. Who cares? Eat whatever you want. Like, you know, so we're bringing her like cheesecake. She loves cheesecake. And like all kinds of sweets, like, Grandma, just eat it. Like whatever you want. And as the weeks went on, she got, we watched her get better. We watched her want to eat and, and watch her just engage and her energy kind of pick up, you know? And, and it was, um, this is how I know she got better is because she started arguing with me again, right? About doing things around the house or like buying things for her. She always argues with me. And so that's how I knew she got better because she started doing that again, right? And I was like, okay, we can go home. She's okay. <laughs> like, she's arguing with me. We're good. So we came home and this was this past Saturday. We got home. That night, um, I find out that someone who uh, I've known, a pastor that I've known for years, a pastor that I consider one of my mentors and a spiritual pillar in my life, someone who I consider to be even a friend, I found out that he was in an accident and was in a coma. The next day, I wake up, to news that he has gone to be with Jesus. And I was spinning. I, like, it was crazy for me. Sunday, I came to church, and I just felt like a zombie. We're in our meeting for Relentless, and I was like, oh, do whatever. As long as the kids don't die, we're good. You know, (laughs) like, I literally, like, couldn't comprehend things. Like, I was just out of it go home Sunday, and it starts to sit in, starts to settle in, and I'm just a mess, a mess. Later that night, I find out that a friend of ours, whose mom had been in the hospital, she passed away that day. He posted it. You know, I haven't talked to him in a a while, but, like, one after the other Tuesday, I hear about another mom of my friends passing away. Like, just things are adding up, like, one after another. And so, when I say I'm in the in between, it's because in this season, right now, the last few days, honestly, have sucked. I, I don't know how to describe it anyway else. And even though in my head, right? I know, I know this season it should be happy. I know this should be a happy season we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and I should be celebrating. But I just don't feel like it. I just don't. Maybe some of you are there and can I tell you, like there's no guilt, like don't feel guilty in that. Because everything you feel is valid. And so, Here I am, and and some of these things that have happened, some of these, these deaths that have happened in the last few days aren't even, like they're not super close for me, but it still hurts. Because I think about my friends who are walking through this pain. I think about my friends who are grieving and walking through this suffering of losing someone, and my heart breaks for them. I feel helpless. I feel helpless. Right, and then I think about my own grandma and I'm so grieving. I know that her health is declining. I know she's not 100%, you know? And I'm still grieving that. And then the loss of, of my, my mentor and my friend, like it hurts. And I started asking the Lord. I started asking questions, you know? Why? Why? Why, why, like how can this happen? Why would you allow this to happen? I, like I don't even understand. And in my head, I know that I will probably never ever understand the ways of God. That it is not for me to understand. But my heart is still grieving and my heart is still questioning God, why? Why? And as I questioned, I heard two things from the Lord. And the first, I heard him whisper, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now, if you've been in church a while, and even if you haven't, you've probably heard the story of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And for a lot of us, we know this name, Emmanuel. It's familiar. We know that it means God with us, that that, that's what it translates to. And in the video, um, I'll just quick side note, in the video, it was spelt with an E, And if you're taking notes on our app, you'll see that it's spelt with an I. And so I just want to make it clear it's the same. And the reason for that is that the E, sorry, let me just double check. I want to make sure I say this correctly. The I, just kidding, erase the E, the I. uh, The I is the transliteration of the original Hebrew text okay so the original Hebrew language that it was written in and that is the Hebrew translation and when it's written with an E when you see it start with an E that is because it's been translated from the Greek okay so they're so they're the same I just want to make sure we're all clear on that but as I started asking what does Emmanuel mean yeah God with us but like what is what does that mean and one scholar put it this way, Emmanuel, as the title of Jesus refers to both his deity, God, with us, and his identification and nearness to man, God with us. See that distinction? No, kind of close, yeah. <laughs> so his deity, he is God. He is God with us. But in the nearness, he is with us. In our own human form, in our flesh, in our nature, he is with us. He's with us, and and some scholars say that he is bringing us into this new covenant and this new communion with him, and communion is this deep, intimate connection. He's bringing us into this when he says, I am Emmanuel, God, with us, when he is referred to as that. He's bringing us into this deep, intimate connection with him. Now, normally when you hear the Christmas story, it'll either come from the book of Matthew or Luke. But actually this, um, when you hear that phrase, Emmanuel, that's a reference that only comes from the gospel of Matthew. And it's from Matthew chapter one. And like in the video, it is the story of the birth of Jesus. Right? So, Mary and Joseph, their pledge to be married. Now, technically, I'm going to give you some, some insight here. I'm going to school you a little bit. In the Jewish culture, there were three stages of marriage. Okay? So, there was the engagement, there was the betrothal, and then there was the marriage itself. They were in the second step, the second phase. Okay? And so, normally, this was about two years. So, technically, they're not married yet. They haven't completed all three stages, but they are still referred to as husband and wife. They're in this committed relationship. They're still referred to as husband and wife, and the only way to break this stage of marriage is through a divorce, which is why when Joseph hears that Mary is with child, and he's like, we didn't do anything. Like, that's not my kid, you know? Like, he, he decides, I'm going to divorce her. He decides he's going to get out of this pledge, but that's where we're going to pick it up. And this is um, this is what it says. We're going to be in Matthew chapter one, verse twenty. But after he had considered this, okay, so after he has considered um, divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, "Joseph, son of David." Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because it is, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the, the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Quick side note, when you're reading your Bible, if you see like, or like on the app, you know, and you see like the little like text box, click it, okay? Because it's making a reference to something before or it's making a reference to what it's being translated to, so there's a lot of good information in that. But, and that's exactly what verse 22 and 23 is. In this passage, passage, verses 22 and 23 are a reference to a prophecy that was made in the book of Isaiah. Okay, and so here Matthew is quoting the prophet and he's quoting what Isaiah says. Now, check this out. This prophecy, we can find it in Isaiah 7, verse 14. This prophecy was given 200 years before the birth of Jesus. 200 years before it even happened, okay? And in this time, this prophecy was given to the king of Judah, his name is Ahaz, now Ahaz and his people, they have stopped trusting in the promises of God. At this point in their history, they've stopped trusting in the promises of God. There was two. The promise was, the first one was to Abraham, that, that people, the nations will be blessed through your descendants, and the second promise that they had stopped believing in and stopped trusting in was that through David, through the throne of David, salvation will come to the world, They stopped trusting and believing that. And right now, when he gives this prophecy, what's happening is the surrounding nations around King Ahaz are trying to overthrow him. They're trying to overthrow him. They're trying to take him over. He's a young king. He's a young leader. And so they're trying to take advantage of his inexperience. And what Ahaz does is he starts to look around. Instead of trusting in God, he starts to look around to nations around him for help. And here comes the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah tells him, he tells him that, right? A virgin, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ahaz is in the lineage of Jesus. Okay, if you look in Matthew, the beginning half of the book, the beginning half of chapter one, They give the lineage of Jesus, and Ahaz is in there. And Ahaz knew that this was his lineage. He knew that. He knew that this was his family. He knew that things were gonna happen through him. And I can't help but wonder, if I was Ahaz and I looked at everything that was surrounding me, all this madness and people trying to overthrow my nation and overthrow my kingdom, like if I was him, I would probably wonder, well, how's that gonna happen if I get overthrown? How's that still going to take place? And one scholar put it this way, that God's people were hoping for deliverance for what they were facing. Here's what they were facing, right? All these nations trying to overthrow them, coming at them under attack. They were hoping for deliverance here. And Isaiah says there's hope here. He redirects them to a future hope. Yes, this is happening here. Yes, this is what you are facing. Yes, this is what you are going through. This is the promise of God. This is what is going to take place. I don't think they thought it would take 200 years, but like he's redirecting them. And I can't help but wonder if God does that to us sometimes. When we're in the midst of everything surrounding us, And all we're seeing is our circumstance and everything that's around us that could overtake us and overthrow us. I believe that God pushes us to focus here. This is a hope. This is the future hope. He's going to redirect us here. The crazy part is here, the prophecy that Isaiah gave, guys, we live in the reality of this prophecy that God is with us. We live in that reality. It's not a future hope for us, that is our reality. If we are believers, this is the reality we live in, that God is with us. When you translate that word us, it's actually a very intimate, personal term, and it can be translated to God with me, God with you. If you're taking notes, that's your your one and only point for tonight, is that God is with me. God is with me. God is with me all the time. He's with me all the time, not just when I'm doing good or feeling great, not just when I'm like killing it and I'm on top of my game when it comes to my devotions or my prayer life or my tithing or serving. Like He's not just with me, then he is with me in the darkest valleys that I will walk through in the seasons of my life. He is with me in the hurt. He is with me in the grieving, in the suffering, in the pain. He is with me. Emmanuel, God with me. God with us. God with me. He is with me. In the morning, when I am in pain, He is with me in my confusion, in my questioning. God is with me in my loss, just like He is with you. Just like He is with you. Now, Emmanuel was the first thing that the Lord told me as I started to question in my grieving. Second thing, the Lord directed me to Psalm 23. This is a very famous psalm, and it's written by King David. And in fact, this psalm, because it has so much, it brings so much words of comfort and care, a lot of times it is used in funerals. King David, in this psalm, paints a beautiful picture of us, of what it is, of the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. A shepherd and his sheep. The psalm is penned before the birth of Jesus. In the New Testament, though, the Lord refers to himself as a good shepherd. But David was able to pen this psalm knowing the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. One, because he was a shepherd before he was a king. But two, because I believe he intimately knew the character of God. He intimately knew the character of God. Now, David can use this metaphor in the deepest sense of of its meaning because he understood what it meant to be a shepherd. David was the youngest in his family, and as the youngest, if your family needed a shepherd, guess who was going to do it? The youngest. (laughs) Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted that job. Nobody wanted that responsibility. And so a lot of times in families, they would assign it to the youngest child. So David was probably assigned this unpleasant task, which is also considered like the lowest of low jobs like in the family, right? And so he is assigned this. He is a shepherd to sheep. Now the shepherd lives with their flock. The shepherd lives with their flock. It is a very intimate role that the shepherd has. The shepherd was everything to their sheep, everything. Their guide, their physician, their protector. He was everything to them. As we read this psalm, what we also can understand about being a sheep, when a shepherd had sheep, that was their possession. That was theirs. It belonged to them. As we read this, we are the sheep. We belong to the Lord who is our shepherd. Let's read it. It comes from Psalm 23. I'm only going to read verses one through four. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this imagery of the shepherd is filled with so much care and compassion and comfort for his sheep. I learned some interesting facts about sheep that I didn't know before. Maybe some of you know this. Maybe you have sheep. They're everywhere here, like (laughs) everywhere. Um, But they actually, what I didn't know is they don't lie down easily. Do you guys know that? No, just me? Okay. Um, Okay, well, they don't lie down easily and it's it's not like that they physically can't, but it's that they need certain conditions for them to lie down. They need certain things to line up before they can be at rest. And so it's, it's, um, it's kind of crazy. Some of them are, they are social, um, they're social animals. I don't know if you guys knew this. They're social animals. So if there's friction in their flock, they will not lie down. If there's friction in their flock. They won't lie down. If there's fear, they won't lie down. If there's like flies and parasites and like pests around them, they will not lie down. They will also not lie down if they are hungry or they need food. All these things had to line up in order for them to find rest. And as the shepherd, the shepherd would make sure that all of these things were taken care of so that his sheep could lie down and rest. The shepherd would lead them to these green meadows where they could do that, where they could lie down and rest, where they could eat. He would also lead them to still waters. Why? Because if a sheep tried to drink from a running river, they would drown. Okay? They're not very bright. So still waters, That's that's where the shepherd would take them. The shepherd guides his sheep. Yes, he will lead them to the green pastures and to the still waters. But catch this, he will also lead them through the valleys. He will lead them through the valleys. Now when David says, when I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, some translations will say, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's not referring to death itself, he's referring to a dark place, a fearful place a place where you just feel hedged in and surrounded. When, Even though the shepherd will lead us through these valleys, catch this, the valley is not the destination. The valley is not the dwelling place. The valley is something we are going to walk through. We're going to walk through that. As I close, I want to close with this idea from a scholar, and he said this. As sheep, we don't need to know where the green pastures are. We don't need to know where the still water is. We just need to know where our shepherd is. We just need to know where our shepherd is. We just need to know the shepherd. Because he's the one that will guide us. He's the one that will protect us. He is the one that will care for us. He is the one that will provide for us. He is the one that will walk us through the valleys no matter how long it takes. He will walk with us through those valleys. The job of the shepherd is to do all those things and to stay with his flock stay with his sheep the shepherd is not going anywhere without his sheep the shepherd is always there and if this is you if you are walking through a valley take comfort in knowing that we have a shepherd that will walk with us through it that will not leave us behind that will not go too far ahead of us that will just say deuces I'm out like this is too dark for me no we have a shepherd that will walk with us through the valley no matter how long it takes us to get through no matter how long he's not going anywhere except right beside his sheep. Right beside his sheep. God with us. With his sheep. In the middle of his sheep. In the middle of our mess, the stink, the whatever it would be in the middle of that God with us. He doesn't leave. And that's comforting to know because there will be people as we walk through valleys, as we walk through difficult seasons in our lives that may possibly leave. But we can count on our shepherd who will never leave. Amen. Amen. Tonight, as we pray, um, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this. In a second, we're going to bow our heads, and I'm going to ask, if this is you, if you're walking through this valley, that you would raise your hand, because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to say, I know what it's like, because it's different for you. It's different for me. Yes, I'm grieving. Yes, I lost my mom when I was 19, but that's different than what people are going through now. It's different for everybody. But sometimes what happens is what we know in our head doesn't connect to what we feel in our heart. There's a disconnect sometimes. And so even everything that I shared tonight, we can know it here but not feel it here. And so tonight, as we pray, if you are in this valley and if that's what is happening, that there is a disconnect in what you know and what you feel, we're gonna pray for that connection. We're gonna pray that the Lord would give us the emotions to follow what we know to be true about our shepherd, what we know to be true about Emmanuel. We're gonna ask that God would make the feelings line up with the truth of who he is. We're gonna pray for that. If you're online, We're praying for you too. There is also a tab online if you need prayer. You can click that. We have pastors and and our prayer team ready to pray for you. But we're going to close praying for that. And we're going to rejoice that God is with us. Let's pray. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you are walking in this valley if you are in the midst of this dark place, if that is you would you raise your hand nobody's looking, just so that I know who we can be praying for, I see you I see you, I see you, thank you God you see the hands more importantly you see the heart God would you help us to know deep within our heart, would you help the feelings to resonate with the idea that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. You are a great shepherd that never leaves. Father, make the connection from our head to our heart and may we be overwhelmed right now in this moment, God, would we feel your comfort? Would we feel your peace? we feel your love for us in the midst of our hurt in the midst of our grief thank you that you are the great shepherd thank you that you never leave your flock and with your heads still bowed if there is some of you that you don't know the shepherd that we talked about tonight. But you want to. You want to know the peace. You want to know the comfort. You want to know the care and the intimacy of this relationship with the shepherd. If that's you, if you want to make that decision for the first time tonight, would you raise your hand? Online, you can click the button. There's a button that's there. Thank you, I see you. So, if you raise your hand or you click the button online, we're going to pray and you can just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your Son to die for my sins. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness and I ask that you would come and live in my heart. God help me to live for you God we thank you that you are the great shepherd we thank you that you never leave us in the hurt the pain in the glad times in our mistakes, even in our stupidity sometimes. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't leave us, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Father, I pray that we would experience that in the fullest. We would tangibly know what it means that you are with us. God, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are glad you guys are here. We love you, and we will see you on Sunday, 7, 8, 30, and 10, or back here next week, Wednesday at 6.30. Merry Christmas.